welcome to the Mind Your Leadership podcast. I'm Karen Silk. In this podcast, I will have conversations with thought leaders, CEOs, and managers from various organizations about leading mindfully. We will learn from experienced leaders how they implement mindful leadership in the day-to-day organizational culture, and we will gain tools and skills. So stay with us. Hello, today I will speak with Bessie Graham. Bessie is an award-winning entrepreneur with over 20 years experience working with business owners, governments, and large funding bodies to bring doing good and making money back together. Bessie brings in an unparalleled perspective on what makes change happen. In her podcast, Both End with Bessie Graham, she teaches people to quiet the noise of the demands and opinions of others and hear their own voice more clearly so they can contribute from a place of authenticity. In this podcast, we will speak about how we can bring doing good and making money back together, and we will explore how entrepreneurs, managers, and leaders can better connect to themselves and their own voice in order to bring their added values and live a meaningful life. So stay with us. Bessie, thank you for joining our conversation. I'm thank excited. you so much. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. So, you know, what caught my eye when I looked at your website and materials, I really loved what you wrote, that you help leaders and managers to bring doing good and making money back together. And it really resonated within me. So I'll be happy to hear about your thought about this paradigm, because I see it as a new paradigm. And Afterwards, to hear about your path and what got you to create your own company, Benefit Capital. So, Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think on the one hand, you're right. There is an aspect of this type of way of thinking that is a new paradigm for many people. But for me, the part that is exciting and really at the heart of what I think is possible when you bring back doing good and making money and allow them to be within the same business model is that it's actually really a returning to the roots of business and to what it is to be deeply human because we are not these one-dimensional people that go off to work and are disconnected from the person who raises our children and has values and has a hope for the future. We are one person. And so when we start to think about business, or think about our work in a context that is divorced from who we are in the fullest sense, that is when we end up feeling those experiences of burnout and exhaustion and wondering why we're not feeling fulfilled, even though we look successful to the outside world. And so for me, it's about saying we do need to think differently and start to shift some of the ways that we put things in boxes and then don't allow them to be richer or more meaningful. But it is also an acknowledgement that it is not actually completely new, but that it is going back to something that is deeply human and part of really what commerce, trade, bartering, all of those things that that are just part of how humans have always interacted. 
And so I like to think about it as that dance between two things. There's pioneering aspects and there is aspects where there's precedent and it's already been deeply part of our history. Amazing. I really connect to what you say because that's right. It's going back to our roots because in the past, people were looking and searching for the meaningfulness and the spiritual part of their life in the church in later time, right? And it was disconnected from work. So like emotion, we can bring to our leisure time, but not to work. And nowadays that we are going forward and we are living most of our working time in our workplace, we are looking for this meaningfulness that we search outside in the workplace. And we're bringing ourselves more completely and looking for the meaningfulness that we looked outside. So it's really the process that we are going now from the separation between the meaningfulness and the spiritual aspect of our human beings and the work. And now we are looking to blend them together. And so I really agree with you. And this is why it's so resonated with me because we're talking about bringing our complete selves to the workplace and fulfilling ourselves. Bessie, I would be happy to hear about your path and what caused you to start your own company called Benefit Capital. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the the journey for me has been this interesting aspect. In terms of what I studied, I was always really interested in leadership and what's the role of a leader and how do we inspire change and and really create a better world. So my undergraduate and postgraduate studies were in politics, international relations, counterterrorism, looking at a whole bunch of different aspects of what does that influence look like? What are different leadership styles? What's most effective in different settings? But in terms of then my career, it was always this aspect of I'm quite a practical person. So I love the intellectual, but I want to drive it to how does that mean we behave differently or how do we show up in the world and make decisions? And so I didn't feel that there was just one particular job or organization or even sector that I fitted in. And I was always trying to look for these opportunities where there was something really meaningful that had a sense of either social justice or, you know, how was it leaving the world better than we found it? But that was tapping into components that I love and see value in business or the role of government. So I wanted these big, meaningful projects. And as is often the way for those of us who are entrepreneurs and have built businesses, in the absence of finding that perfect sweet spot for me, I just built it. Uh, And so I have uh, have actually built multiple organisations and There is a common theme, though, which is sort of that umbrella that sits across the different businesses that I've built up and run over the last, really the last 15 years in particular, but my career in this space goes back just over 20 years. And that is the piece that you spoke about at the beginning. It's this idea of how do you do good and make money in the same business model without compromising on either? Because I think often we start to have these conversations and people will say, yes, I'm, I'm doing both of those things. But when they get pushed into a corner or when there's an awkward decision to make, they actually compromise on one. They have a preference. You know, they're leaning towards, well, if this is going to mean I don't make profit as quickly, I'm suddenly going to make a different decision or they might be incredibly passionate about the social side and they end up making decisions that really undermine the financial sustainability of the business. So Mm -hmm. there can be this language 
But my experience has been that very rarely are people really grappling with and doing it well to bring those things back together and work a business until they can actually have both of those. And so in the first organization I set up called the Difference Incubator, where we worked with hundreds of different small and medium enterprises across Australia and the Pacific Islands, we were helping them build those business models, get to being investable and actually having this business that could do good in the world, but do it in a way that actually was profitable and sustainable. And then Benefit Capital came about when those organisations were needing to take on investment and we were helping them structure those deals and bring impact investors into the mix and think about how they would actually measure the good they were doing and the returns they were providing. Amazing. You know, it's also resonant with the name of your podcast that we will speak later, Both End. And this is also really resonant with me because it's actually, I call it the paradoxical paradigm. It's having them both. Usually we learn that it's this one or this one. It's money or business. It's a pleasure or work. And no, I I really believe that today we want to blend it. And in order for it to exist, we need to hold a paradoxical paradigm perspective, right? To hold them both and give the time and space for the solution to emerge. But don't be quick to close the uncertainty because then we'll do more of the same and we need to choose one of them. But once we are mindful and present with and seeing them both and say, okay, I want the boss. How can I reach them? How can I achieve it? The solution will emerge. And I, I really like this perspective because I think it's not a common thing. And I really like that you say that you're working with leaders to help them because, you know, yes, sometimes when you go after your passion and I, I know it as an entrepreneur also, you have prices that you need to pay, but you need to choose them and that's okay. And people, I think, Sometimes don't want to pay the price, right? They only want the benefits, but you can't get it all and don't pay the price. So you need to see what's important for you. What are your priorities? What prices you're accountable to pay and what you don't want to pay. And that's okay. But I think this is the process. So now when you're working with entrepreneurs and leaders, what do you see they, they most struggle with and how do you help them overcome the struggles? Well, I think, I mean, some of the pieces that you're speaking about there and that the reality of the situations we find ourselves in as business leaders to say, okay, there are these trade-offs in front of me. I'm in a situation where I do need to make a decision. The aspect that I constantly bring leaders back to is to start from a place where those foundational aspects of your values, your organization's values what it is that is important to you and is not negotiable. We need to know those things and have real clarity about that before we start jumping into situations where there's these difficult decisions or trade-offs or aspects of feeling the constraints that are on you as a business owner. Because the reality is we do have those pragmatic decisions that will come for everyone. We can't avoid that. And so the challenge is particularly for those of us who are entrepreneurs, and I put myself in this category because I fall into this trap often, is that when we are these, you know, go-getters, we have big goals, big dreams, and we just want to jump in there and do something, we can sometimes think that we are being more efficient, more effective, and getting things done 
because we jump to action. And yet the work that I'm constantly doing with people is saying, you may not like me at the moment because I'm going to hold you back. I'm going to say, we just need to stop for a moment. We need to do the old slow down to speed up. And it will feel uncomfortable and you may feel like it's a waste of time. But my experience has been that the clearer you get on those foundational elements that will be the touchstone you come back to in those difficult moments of decision and trade-off, the clearer you are and the more time you've taken to get to that place, the more efficient and effective you will be at making aligned decisions. Because you might make a fast decision, but if it ends up being something that then you lose sleep over for six months, you hire the wrong people, you lose money, that wasn't actually a decision that was efficient or effective. It was a fast decision, but it wasn't aligned and it wasn't actually moving your organization in the direction of where you want to go. And so I find that one of the pieces that I bring for leaders is that ability to to be someone who's from the outside, because when it's your own business, you can get lost in the detail. So Mm. it's that fresh set of eyes that can do some of the zoom in and zoom out so I can help people lift their vision and say, okay, what's going on around you? What do we need to be aware of as a leader? How do we run scenarios and plan for what might come? Mm -hmm. But it's also drilling down into those details of the specifics that are unique to you and unique to your organisation. Because my work, one of the things I feel most passionately about is that while there are some overarching patterns and themes that those of us who have been in this space for a long time can help see in advance for a leader, there are also aspects that are not just off the shelf. Every business will be different. And so if I'm working with you, I can't just tell you what you should do. I need to actually understand what's important to you because your decisions in the same situation I might be in, you could have a very different answer that would be appropriate and aligned for you. So it's this work to deeply understand and have clarity on your own organizational and personal core values and those components of how you make decisions and behave in the world and the clarity on that big picture vision of where are you going? And when we have that clarity, then those decisions and all of the things that we have to do on a day-to-day basis to make that business end up being able to do good and make money become much clearer. You know, what you told me right now is actually for me, it's being mindful and you're helping them being mindful, right? Because as I said, right? Because being mindful, it's the ability to connect to your own experience, passions, emotions, priorities, and at the same time, connect to the broader picture and the ability to move between these two realms and to choose free your behavior. This is a mindfulness state of mind. And this is what actually you're doing. And I'm also, and this is why I told you at the beginning that we are speaking the same language and it's going to be fun. Usually we are acting upon our emotions. So, you know, there can be a founder or a leader that's really passionate about something and his passion blinds him from seeing the hinders on the way. So the ability to be with his passion and at the same time to help him see the broader picture, this will allow him to go with his passion, but seeing also the big picture. You know, it reminds me a coaching, a consulting that I did to co-founders. And one of them, both of them, actually, they were before a opportunity to be required by a big company. 
And one of them was really scared to be in a conflict and to put boundaries to the really senior VP there. And when I started working with them, I understood it actually he owned their company because people were leaving because of his behavior. And the manager was so scared, the CEO was so scared to confront him. So he decided to see how this VP, although he's really professional, is ruining his company. And during this process, I was being with them with the fear that he had in managing this conflict. And at the same time, I helped them to connect to the broader picture to see the results that this VP has on his company, right? So during this process, he was also connected to his emotion, to his fear, but he didn't let this fear manage him and be paralyzed and let him ruin his company. And he started confronting him. And it was amazing. You know, when he started confronting him, things fell into places. And this is actually what you said right now. It's helping them to be passionate, be clear-minded about their priorities, what they wanted, but at the same time, not be managed by our automatic behaviors, our fears, our emotions that drive us usually. What do you think about it? Yeah. And, and I think one of the pieces that you've described there that you've done with that client and that is so important is that often when we're trapped in that aspect of whether it's because of fear or because of busyness and we're just being reactive, we aren't as a leader stopping and taking the time to do what I call one of the questions I always ask people when they make a statement or they're they're behaving in a certain way and they give a reason and I will always say, okay, but to what end? So this behavior or this like, where are we trying to go? Like, why are we doing that? And when you start to ask those questions that remind you that any decision you're making now or conversation you're avoiding having Lay it out to its logical end. Where is this behavior or decision taking you? What is the end point? And as an outsider, as a coach or an advisor, one of the things that we can do is help a leader have that different perspective and play out the scenario of, okay, if I don't confront this person in the organization, what is that actually setting in motion? What is happening as a result of that? And even if I don't yet have visibility of the actual consequences like people leaving, we're all smart people and we can say, what could be some of the possible scenarios that could play out? Well, if they're actually being aggressive or they're quite argumentative, there's probably some people in the organisation who are going to find that confronting and it may lead to us losing staff. Okay, so play out the scenarios. And so I think... For me, again, and this comes down to part of the job when you are a trusted advisor or a mentor to someone, is to figure out the best way in their mind of how they're going to get to a helpful place. So for some people, that aspect of current behavior, running scenarios forward to where will that get me is a helpful approach. For other people, their minds find it more useful to jump forward to the desired endpoint and then reverse engineer back from there and say, well, what would I have to do to get here? Mm -hmm. And so for the particular leader you spoke about, it's that aspect of having enough insight into them to be able to go, okay, how do I help you see this from a different perspective and realize that it is necessary for you to engage with this head on and deal with it or else there'll be negative consequences. So I think that speaks to also 
the respect and honoring of each individual leader because part of what allows us to be effective as a leader is that self-awareness. So we can't lead other people until we lead ourselves first, until we're aware of these components of what is the bias that I have here? What are those blind spots? What are my assumptions that are playing out? And regardless of how self-aware we are or how reflective we are, it's actually really important to have external people that we trust who can come in and help us see those potential blind spots and engage differently. So very similar to you, part of my approach is always that aspect of respecting and listening to the leaders that I'm working with Mm -hmm. to make sure I'm not just imposing my views or how I would do something, but that I'm helping them really authentically come to an understanding of themselves and then behave in alignment with that because that's the only thing that's sustainable. That's what you can then do over decades of a career because you are being yourself authentically and you're showing up in ways that are actually aligned with your values, not projections of somebody else's idea of what a good leader is. So you said a few things that I want to share back what I heard. So an important skill that you're working with, quality that I think each and every leader needs to embrace nowadays, is the listening aspect. So I come and I really listen to them, to the passions, to the needs, to the struggles. And from listening, you connect deeper with themselves and you help them to evolve, but in their own way, because you don't tell them what they need to do or not need to do because they know the answers, right? Yeah. To be honest, this is why I called my company Wisdom to Lead because I really believe that each and every one of us has his own wisdom. And we only need to help him find this wisdom and he knows how to lead. Yeah, it's drawing out things that are already there. In many respects, the biggest part of the work that I see I'm doing is helping people actually block out or quiet the noise of all the external expectations and demands and opinions of what they should do and what success looks like and say, how do I create an environment and a safe space where you actually start to trust and tune into and listen to yourself. Because like you, I agree, the answers are there. We each have a very strong sense of these things and we lose sight of it and we lose the ability to hear it over time because we are so bombarded by the outside and we hand over our agency and we hand over our power to others that then influence us often unconsciously because we just take on board the messaging that the world tells us. That's so right. But you know, I want to also challenge you because yeah, I agree with you that sometimes we are acting out of unconscious and taking others' belief systems and assumptions. However, I think it's also challenging for individuals and leaders and entrepreneurs to go forward with their own authenticity and how they see things. You know, it's, I think it's a crucial, you know, there's a past saying goes that 50% is the challenge to be aware, but the other 50% is to act upon it. And now I want to ask you about the acting upon it because you are a practical woman and I as well. What do you say about how you help leaders overcome the fear of going forward and taking it, you know, to the day to day, not only understanding it, because this is, I think, the most important 50 percent, right, to change and go forward with our goals. So how do you see it? 
Well, I mean, I think you're right that there is an aspect. In some ways, it comes back to one of the tools that I use is what we have already spoken about, which is this idea of running scenarios. So if as a leader, you have preemptively thought through what might happen, what could be some of the things that could happen as a result of certain decisions or certain external environmental influences on my business or this sector, When you've taken the time to run scenarios and actually figure out what would we do? Okay, how would we de-risk that? Part of the thinking process and the being strategic is that you are actually better equipped, which reduces that fear. Now, it doesn't mean that you control what will or won't happen, but it means you are better prepared and able to step into action and know how you will make decisions when a whole range of situations play out. So I think a lot of it is about not being in the category of being an entrepreneur or a business leader who is doing the fly by the seat of your pants and just making everything up as you go, like wait till something happens and then react. It's saying, what can you preemptively think about and be intentional in then planning for and de-risking or having some mitigation strategies in place that allows some of that fear of moving to action to be removed. The next piece in my mind in terms of, particularly when we think about leaders, because there is a difference between those of us who are wired in a certain way and are in positions or have built organizations who actually have the responsibility of leadership. There is a different aspect of what is expected of us than there is of someone who has chosen to be an employee or a part of a team led by someone else. And that is that we are in in that role or position where actually part of our job is to have that courage to choose, the ability to make a decision and run with it. And, you know, if we look at some of those aspects I love ancient Greek kind of philosophy and, you know, the Roman orators and all of that historical types of thinking. And one of the frameworks that was often used by the Romans was the idea of this, what, so what, now what? And when you look at that structure as a leader, it's not just our job to be smart and be able to tell people all of the what, like, oh, rattle off statistics and be very clever. Okay, that's useful to a point, but we also then need to be able to do that synthesis of go, make some meaning of that. Okay, you've told me the what, so what? What does this mean in our context? How have you been able to make sense of that as a leader and communicate that to your team or to your customers? But the most important piece from a leadership perspective, and if we're actually going to make something in the world is to have the courage then to choose and drive down into that piece of now what? What are we going to do? Okay, what, so what, now what? And I think as a leader, helping people think through that, understand what they bring and really have clarity about how to actually gauge what information they use to make a decision, but then just step into that with courage, knowing that you will get it wrong sometimes But that all we need to do in my mind as a leader, particularly in the complexity of the world that we live in, you don't have to know in granular detail every single step from here to there. You do need to have a rough, like a mud map, a bit of a sketch, but then you just need to know what to do next, 
make that decision and trust that yourself and your team will then figure it out because information will come to you once you're moving that you cannot know if you wait and sit back until you have all of the data or all of the the facts. So I think it's that combination of strategic planning and thinking and scenarios, but then also just drilling into the courage to choose and make that decision and step into it. Agree. And it comes back to the ability to be present in the unknown, right? As leaders, we need to embrace the unknown and have the courage to be there. And as you said, trust the process, right? And ourselves that things are ourselves. Yes. Yeah, right. So it starts within ourselves, right? As leaders, we need to first of all trust ourselves and then we can trust others and trust the context and the process that things will emerge and the answers will come. Even if we don't know how we will get there, we know where we want to get. And in every this space, and I think it's a crucial element nowadays, the space, because you know it, I'm sure that especially in the startup business and corporate, they don't have time. They're already in a hurry, in a rush, rush, rush. And then they don't enable new things to emerge, right? And creative uh, solution to emerge. And they kind of doing more of the same. You don't get the results they want. And in a counterintuitive way, by enabling ourselves space, even between meetings, you know, coming fresh oh, yes. to the meeting, right? Yeah. Even in a, a team meeting, saying in the beginning, look, I want to figure out this product. I'm not sure about it, but it's okay that we won't get to the answer in the end of the meeting. Only by saying that and allowing the space in a paradoxical way, there's a big chance that the solution will emerge because there's a space. But when we don't give this place, we can get to new heights, right? To creative ideas. Yeah. Well, and as a leader, we're not just a machine that's pumping out over and over again, the same thing, and that is just needing to, you know, more hours, work harder, do more. What we bring in our value is in how clearly we can think, how effective we are in problem solving, making decisions, conceptualizing things that other people can't. So if you are exhausted and if you are doing those meetings back to back to back and allowing no time to rest or to just let your mind wander and be creative, you're not actually bringing your best. And so that piece, again, as you said, we have to model that as leaders and actually allow people the space and room to say, oh, it's not being lazy or having no work ethic to operate like this. It's ensuring that when you step into that meeting with the client or when you are in this session that you're facilitating for your team, that you are fresh and your mind is clear and you're able to bring your best. That's what we want. We don't want you tired and exhausted and, and not able to function. Yes, so right. I love how you praise it. Basically, before we need to wrap up, you gave a lot of tools to our listeners. Is there any other tool that you want to share with them? Well, I think probably the the other piece that I would add when we think about this idea of doing good and making money is simply to plant the seed for people that you don't need to wait till your business has made incredible profits or till you've sold the business to then think about how could you contribute or make donations to another organization. It's really about saying, if we're a business leader or a business owner, how do we think about the organization itself 
as the way we're doing good in the world. So just bringing it back to being internal to the core business itself, because so often when I work with leaders, their natural approach is to think of the good as external. So, or how could we make enough money that we could contribute to causes we care about? But that's great. And that can be part of how you do good in the world, but that is externalizing the good. And so the last piece I would love to leave with your listeners is this idea of just sitting for a moment and thinking about all of the pieces you actually have within your control through the decisions that you're already making, the way you spend money in your organization. How do you think about that? How do you shift that so that just by operating, even if all you ever did was break even, that you have made the world a better place through the way you run your business? That's amazing. It's actually the new paradigm, right? Of people, planet, profit. Yes. Not only seeing the money, but seeing how you serve your community, your work, your employees, your customers, right? And then from this place, when you're serving them, you will also succeed. Yeah. It creates that win-win. That's always what we're looking for is how do you not just extract as much as you can out of a system How do you genuinely add enough value that people want to pay you and that they will continue to pay you and come back to you? Create that win-win and you actually de-risk the business as well as feeling that sense of contribution, meaning and purpose. So it goes together. Amazing. Bessie, thank you very much. I'm sure people will want to contact you. So can you tell them where can they find you? Yeah, sure. So One of the best options is to listen to my podcast. As you mentioned earlier, it's called Both And with Bessie Graham. So rather than either or, I'm wanting you to take a both and approach. So podcast is a great place to start and just engage with and think about these ideas and reflect on them more. Otherwise, people can find me on LinkedIn or Instagram under Bessie Graham or go to BessieGraham.com. Bessie, thank you very much for your wisdom and your time. I really enjoyed our conversation. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. You're invited to subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode and follow us on social media. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.